When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Larry H. Russell thanking you once again for downloading another edition of Celtic Speed. Today's presenting sponsor is the leading organic meat brand in the country, American Farmers Network. AFN's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. With production standards that go beyond even USDA regulations, all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork to coarse beef, get the most nutritious and delicious meat at www.americanfarmersnetwork.com. Today is Sunday, September 25th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. And I'm Nick Gelso filling in this week for Larry H. Russell. Today, as we are literally days away from the start of training camp, things should be a bit quiet in Celtics Nation. That said, with the news yesterday that the big ticket Kevin Garnett retired from the NBA, Twitter, the Celtics media world, and fans just went absolutely crazy, and understandably so. Today, we had a special episode planned with guest NBA legend, Boston Celtics legend, Hall of Fame inductee, Jojo White, and we will get to Jojo, but first, we have to concentrate on the big ticket. Kevin Garnett retiring from the NBA, Justin Poulin, host of Celtic Stuff Live, the original Boston Celtics podcast, will be joining us momentarily to discuss his views and the impacts Kevin Garnett had on the NBA, Celtics culture, and even Justin himself. And those of you who know, Justin was one of the first new media members to be allowed to enter the Celtics locker room as a credentialed member of the media, and that happened right through the championship year in 2008. Justin will be joining us shortly, and then we'll be joined, as planned, by Ty Ray, who will be sitting down for a pretty lengthy discussion with Jojo White. But before that, we have to pay the bills. Today's episode of Celtics Beat is powered by... Blue Apron. To make great meals, you need terrific ingredients, and you can get those delivered directly to your home from Blue Apron. And because you're such a loyal listener to Celtics Beat, CLNS Radio, and and we love you, we're going to give you three free meals and free shipping. All you have to do is go to blueapron.com forward slash Celtics Beat. And of course, today is also sponsored by Larry H. Russell's favorite American Farmers Network. AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Anyway, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. What can we say? 2008 NBA champion. Most valuable player in 2004. 15-time NBA All-Star. All-Star Game MVP in 2003. 
Nine-time defensive first team. Nine times. That's that's kind of unprecedented. He was also the 2008, and I believe he was second or third in the running for MVP in 2008, but he was the 2008 Defensive Player of the Year for your Boston Celtics, and we all know Celtics won the championship that year. And as the, the founder, one of the founders of CLNS Radio, I must say, KG is partially, partially responsible for founding this network. Had KG not come to Boston, CLNS Radio may never have come into existence. I know growing up, for me, Larry Bird was everything. Whatever I had to do, it revolved around Larry Bird and uh, and the Bird era, Boston Celtics. I remember when I was in eighth grade, Bird's back became an issue and ultimately ending Bird's career. And in eighth grade, I remember faking a back injury to be like my hero, Larry Bird. And, and for so many people today, young people especially, Kevin Garnett is their Larry Bird. Garnett defined an era. He ushered in the era of entering the NBA straight out of high school. He also came on into the league with, you know, that new brand of superstars, the Allen Iversons, the Kobe Bryants, Tim Duncans. Speaking of, with Garnett's retirement here in 2016, he will be in the Duncan Kobe Bryant NBA Hall of Fame class, the best ever in NBA history. I'd have to say maybe. You have to think Bird... Bird and Magic didn't, did not enter the Hall of Fame at the same time, nor, nor did Jordan, nor did Russell Chamberlain, West Baylor, Dr. J. Kareem. The list goes on and on and on, just continues to prove how unique this Hall of Fame class will be with Garnett, Duncan, and Kobe. So this may be Kevin Garnett again impacting NBA history by joining Duncan and Kobe Bryant on the same stage five years from now in Springfield. Garnett obviously changed the league. You know, they called him the kid, the big ticket. Came into the NBA in 1995, the number five pick of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Even then had a Celtics influence, Kevin McHale really working with him on his post-up game, and and there were a lot of shades of McHale, especially in in Garnett's early career when he was still playing with his back to the basket a little more. But in 2007, for listeners of this show, assuming you are a Celtics fan, Kevin Garnett made the biggest impact. Overnight, changing the culture in Boston back to championship contention and Celtic pride was suddenly uh, everywhere. I mean, I'm here in northeastern Pennsylvania, and I I know for for many years after Larry Bird retired, no one was sporting a Celtics jersey. There weren't many to wear during that. What were you going to wear, ML Carr? I mean, even the coach, Patino, there was just such a bad, bad vibe around the Celtics. 2006, Red Auerbach passes away, and it it looks like it's over. And here, 2007, Danny Ainge pulls the strings, brings in Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, and, and Garnett most of all, more than anybody, changed the culture overnight. Intensity. Intensity on the court. Intensity in the stands at TD Garden. Intensity in my living room watching the Celtics battle it out on, on TV. Many had challenged or were skeptical about how the big three the new big three in Boston would adjust and acclimate and would they even be able to mesh or blend and and that was put to bed really quick. The Celtics opened the 2007-8 season on a tear and I think everyone knew from game five or three or two on that the Celtics were going to be the team to beat in the East, maybe even all of the NBA and that that just didn't end. 
the Texas Triangle. I mean, there were so many great, great moments in that 2007-8 season. And when Justin Pullen joins us, we'll certainly talk about all of those moments, or many of them, as he was in the locker room covering the team during that championship year. Many of you may remember, and if you don't, you need to go out and purchase it on Amazon. It's Return to the Rafters, and that was a documentary that's about the 2007-8 NBA Championship Celtics, and kind of from a media or new media, kind of combining new media and traditional media, from that perspective, that's how the the documentary is told, and and Justin Pullen was, was one of the stars, and you get to follow him as he's covering the team, so I highly recommend grabbing that, but... You know, we look at, at, at the big three and Ray Allen, you know, still contemplating a comeback. I don't think it's going to happen. But for all intents and purposes, Ray was the first to retire. And probably, I would think he would have played the longest being in the best shape. Pierce has played with Toyder's retirement uh, the last two summers. And, and again, is, is, is probably going to come back. It's going to come back with the Clippers for one last go round. So Kevin Garnett the second out of the big three to retire, and probably the most monumental as he's touched so many lives, fans around the NBA, both in Minnesota, in Boston, and and really across the country, across the world. So now let's go to Justin Poulin, and before we do that, let's pause and pay the bills. The workers who have succeeded in this new economy are those who know how to decide for themselves how to spend their time and allocate their energy. They understand how to set goals, prioritize tasks, and make choices about which projects to pursue. People who know how to self-motivate, according to studies, earn more money than their peers, report higher levels of happiness, and say they are more satisfied with their families, jobs, and lives. The preceding excerpt is from Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit audiobook, published by Random House Audio. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online, and to get a free 30-day trial to get access to great books such as this, log on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. We're now joined by Justin Poulin, the original Boston Celtics podcaster from Celtics Stuff Live here on CLNS Radio. And it's fitting, Justin, to have you on Celtics Beat today because you had the privilege of covering the 2008 locker room, Justin. And you you touch a bit on that and Kevin Garnett's instant impact. Before you do, I remember your intro on Celtics Stuff Live where you were, Justin Poulin, for Celtics Blog and asking... Garnett a question and KG answers and it just was the coolest thing for somebody who had never covered a locker room so talk a bit about covering Garnett in that 08 locker room well it's interesting that you mention uh that particular quote because it came from uh immediately after the championship when Garnett went to the podium uh that year in 08 so uh and what I loved about it was that KG was so in tune with the fans if you even remember I mean, that that video um, that they had putting out and promoting his arrival in Boston, he was well aware of it. But he he really did. uh, He did understand very quickly, you know, what this fan base is like and just how passionate they are and how beloved he was going to be because of his work ethic and his and his energy. And so he did have an instant impact on the locker room. If you remember 
they basically traded away the farm. I mean, other than Rondo, they didn't have a lot of depth on that team. Perkins, they were lucky right? enough to get. Yeah, absolutely. Perkins. Yeah, Perkins and Rondo. I, I should have lumped them together. But I think, you know, one of the reasons I didn't was just because Perkins really struggled after he left Boston. He was such right, a good fit next yeah. to KG. But again, you talk about the impact and that was one of those impacts. But also they go out, they get Eddie House, they get James Posey and. Uh, they all had a, a certain swagger. I mean, those two additions were huge for that club. Mm-hmm. And I know P.J. Brown hit a big shot, too. But they had to get fill-ins from guys like Leon Poe as well. <laughs> Wait a second. Just I, like, I, I like the way you kind of subtly jabbed at P.J. Brown there. He he did make a big impact, but really it was one shot, wasn't it? It really was one shot, but how much more could you expect? He was on the downside of his career. They definitely, and no surprise, have pretty much always needed depth at, in the in the front court. And he, you know, he comes on after the trade deadline. He's somebody that you know was without a contract, but that veteran presence was key. There's no doubt. But I guess my point is, is like. Because we had these young players that had to make significant contributions, Rondo, I believe, in his second year, you might have to correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was Rondo's second year, um, and you had Perkins, who I think he had maybe, I think that was his third or fourth year, maybe fourth year. Straight out of high school. But he was straight out of high school, so he's still really young. And then, again, I mentioned Leon Poe, and all of those guys had to contribute at some point, and as much as Pierce was sort of the elder statesman and the one who really understood Boston and and what it meant to the fans. And boy, was he happy. And Ray Allen was somebody that, you know, had been basically the number one uh, piece on a team for years and years with the Bucks and the Seattle Supersonics. And there's people that are going to be listening to this that are like the Sonics. Who's that? Yeah. But (laughs) at the end of the day, just. Isn't, it's really weird to think about that, but yeah. with each passing Sad. year, the Seattle Supersonics are so you know X Men and all those guys are just you know so almost forgotten DJ, because now it's you know obviously now it's the it's the Thunder, yeah. I, I guess at the end of the day, the impact really brought you know the energy and the drive to make sure that the guys down the depth chart didn't let the team down either. I think he kind of picked everybody up emotionally and ran with it. And we did an interview for the off-season interview series. It hasn't posted yet, but we did it with Eric Weiss. And actually, while we recorded, KG's retirement was announced. So it was pretty fresh. It won't. It'll be a little. Awesome. It won't be as fresh when the podcast gets broadcast. But Eric and I were talking about, you know, KG and sort of because the off-season interview series is so focused on you know, other things, not necessarily, you know, X's and O's and watching the team. And one of the things we were talking about was this concept of emotional intelligence, which you hear a lot in uh, corporate human resources culture today. And that was something that you know, a lot of a lot of corporations are looking for people who are emotionally intelligent, meaning they're in charge of their emotions and, and whatnot. And, and really, KG was never that. And Never. usually when somebody's not in control of their emotions, they're a net negative was was Eric Weiss's point. But in KGs, he like superseded that and he was a net positive, even though he rarely had control of his emotions. It's it's you bring up two points there. For, first of all, the the intensity and how he picked up on the, the fan base in Boston paralleled Garnett's intensity on the court as a player. And I think it just married so perfectly the second point you bring up is the young players around Garnett, the fact that Garnett kind of had, and Pierce, they had to kind of work with the younger guys and 
some of the inexperienced guys, but Garnett may be arguably a player, a non, uh, he was a good passer, but he was a big man who made players better off the court, if you understand what I mean. And that that transcended into his, I'd call it semi-retirement years back in Minnesota with, with Towns. I mean, he made such a big impact there. Uh, and you also mentioned Perkins, how much better Perkins was playing alongside of him. Garnett made such an impact off the court based, I think, basically around his intensity and his just sheer desire to win at any cost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he would sacrifice time. He would sacrifice anything to win. I think that's what makes his career I know on the one hand that conditioning, and we've heard a lot about this as these guys have sort of been nearing retirement age, and I think the conversation around Paul Pierce was, is he really able to put in the work in the offseason that's required to come back and play a full NBA season? It's not, hey, he's going to have limited minutes. We know he kind of knows that he's going to be able to go out there and and play game in and game out but it's not just that it's all the preparation that goes into being in game shape and being ready to go through the 82 uh, game grind and the travel and all of that so the question was can Paul Pierce you know do that one more off season and it looks like most likely that's going to happen mm-hmm. but you look at Garnett and I always think I understand how much work you have to put in, but I also think that at some point you put in so many hours, it just has to take a toll on your body. And that is often a reason why guys don't play into their late thirties is, you know, it's just miles, whether it's in game miles or it's, you know, conditioning miles, but the way that Garnett brought that energy, worked his craft and put in those hours, amazing that, Physically, if you think about it, yes, after the knee injury, there was a precipitous drop off and, you know, his mobility and and his Mm -hmm. defense was still amazing and he could still hit shots. But you definitely after that championship, then we go into the next season, you think they're going to repeat and then he can't get on the court. That was a big drop off. But really, that was the only time he dealt with you know, major, major injuries. I mean, I know there was a year with the Timberwolves too, um, where he missed some games, you know, going down the stretch, but, but, but he recovered from that very quick. I mean, he never had major surgery like a Rondo, you know, where, where he had to come back from it. His durability is really something to behold when you, when you just figure in, you got to think he's on the higher end of hours and prep and, and just, well, and um, just, just miles put on his legs. I mean, He's, a, he's and starting at eighteen old. and starting That's right away. That's the yeah, other he, thing. It's just right. Twenty two years is just ridiculous. It's a long time for that. And and you know you talked about oh eight oh nine, the the Boston Celtics. I think they won what nineteen consecutive games. It looked like they were sure to repeat. Then Garnett, I believe it was in Dallas, went down with the knee injury. From that point forward. The Celtics, they managed, I think, 62 wins that season, but it was just tumultuous because it was constant, even into the playoffs, whether Garnett would return or not. Yeah, and it sort of reminds me a little bit of what we went through, you know, with Jay Crowder in a way. It was like they were trying, you know, this past season, it was like they were trying to fight through it, you know, and they brought him back, but it just, it wasn't there. It really just wasn't there. And, And I know criticism has often gone, and I know Larry just loves to criticize the training staff have had that conversation with him on this show before but 
you know, some of the criticism is why not just shut it down earlier and just get it taken care of? You know, why do we keep trying to fight through it? But, you know, at the end of the day, if he had gone and had that surgery, he was never going to be ready for the playoffs anyway. He was going to have to rehab in the offseason. So as, as long as no, there's no clearly, long-term additional he, damage, what's, what, what's the risk? He clearly wasn't ready going into 2009-10 either. Remember, the Celtics took forever to warm up that year. His gate, you can't forget the leg gate. Garnett's gate, you know, he couldn't move laterally. Uh, he never really was the same after that injury. You know, that's my point. I was exactly what I was saying when I, when he had that drop off was like after that knee injury, he never really 100% returned to, to form. Right. He definitely, you know, listen, here's the thing about that. I think during the regular season after that point and from there on for the rest of his career, you definitely saw the drop off. However, once you got to the playoffs, he had yep. this way of just, you know, firing himself up and covering all that. I mean, yeah, in the grind. And I don't want to say, listen, we know players take games off, so to speak, um, during the regular season. And, and it is it probably is too long. I mean, I enjoy it and I like having the games to watch, but it probably is too, too long. long. Yeah, and And the players have to manage that. And so there are players who take it off. And I'm sure... I don't think Kevin Garnett ever really took a game off. I don't think it's in his makeup. Like, genetic-wise, he couldn't do it. However, I do think he approached the game differently during the regular season. And that emotional, you know, energy that he brought is what vaulted him in the postseason. He was, like, able to overcome some of those limitations. And good on him because he expand, he extended his career after maybe a knee injury that most players – you know, would have fallen to the end of the bench and, and probably called it a day. Kevin Garnett retires alongside Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, potentially the best Hall of Fame class possibly in NBA history. But I want to add to that. You mentioned Pierce probably coming back, and I think it is it is likely that he will. But imagine if Paul Pierce doesn't come back, Allen officially retires, that draft class becomes extra special as you've got – Kobe, Duncan, and then you've got the Celtics big three all on the same stage at the same time getting inducted in Springfield. Talk about uh, Garnett, Pierce, and Allen's impact on uh, on the game and how they'll be remembered. Well, I mean, their impact on the game was enormous. I mean, you talk about Kobe and Garnett both coming out of high school. I mean, I think Garnett maybe a little bit more lauded coming out of high school than Kobe. I think people knew Kobe yep. was good, but you know, look at where he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. He was a risk. Yeah. To LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was definitely a risk, which is sort of interesting when you look at what an impact he had, you know, on the, on the game, but you look at Duncan and Garnett, think about how many times they were compared yep. and contrasted and they went up against each other in the Western conference, you know, postseason. I don't want to just say, you <laughs> know, finals, but you know, all, uh, repeatedly they faced each other. I look at, at Garnett's I've been doing, I mean, yesterday I, I did uh, the report for CLNS on the breaking news feed and I'm looking at Garnett's career stats and they're so, so damn impressive. And you get down to first time or four times all NBA first team, 2000, 2003, four and eight four times. I'm thinking that's kind of low, but then he, he had to compete against Tim Duncan at the power forward position out in, in out West. So four times is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. I think four times is very impressive. It, look, who cares? 
If you yeah. watched Kevin Garnett play, you know what he was. Mm-hmm. And there is some criticism that he could have been more aggressive going to the basket. And I think that's legit. You watch his game, but he was on the lighter side. Uh, and, yep. and I know it maybe transitioned a little bit more later on. He was an incredible dunker. And you could see it, you know, in, in a lot of the tapes and, and warm-ups and whatnot. But he did sort of shy away from basket and some of that physical contact, not on the defensive end. He'd, right. he'd give it all. And, and, but on, on the offensive end, if you were going to make a criticism of Kevin Garnett's game, it's that he probably could have been more aggressive at the rim versus what we saw, which was a lot of those, you know, back down, you know, on the right side, maybe a five-footer yep. turnaround jumper. We saw that a lot, and he was moving away from the basket and fading away, and, and maybe he well, could have done a sp- baseline spin move and, and thrown it down either on a reverse or whatnot, and so, or reverse layup even, still getting a little bit closer. He still shot those with a high percentage, but that's probably the only criticism. But what he brought defensively is unquestionably, you know, he's one of the top five defensive players to ever play the game. On the flip side, nine-time NBA all-defensive first team, that's incredible. It, it definitely coincides with what you're saying. Justin, I got you up early. I appreciate you. Yeah, what's uh, up with you and Larry sense? and these, like, you guys get up oh, at, like, man. 4 a.m. I don't even know yeah, what's wrong dude. with you guys. I just I cannot sleep past four thirty in the morning, and in in the off season it's it's fine. But during the NBA season, when guys like you and me are doing the post game shows, and we're up till you know midnight on some nights, that four thirty in the morning early rising becomes very difficult. But I I think it's in the DNA, you know. So I don't know. Uh, the only All problem is, is July fourth weekend. Larry and I oh. and all of Celtics Nation is glued to what's going to happen with Durant, what's going to happen with Horford. Oh, we're you know, and and I I let that I let myself get a little carried away with that. But I will tell you, but it was July Fourth barbecue. I'm up until I don't even know what time, and Larry's like, I gotta have you on the show. I gotta have you on the show. And I was and like, all right, like I'll it. be on. The show. And, and he was like, yeah, well, I'm going to cover for him in October. And my plan is to try to oh, sound God exactly like him and deliver it oh. in Larry H. Russell style. That's going to be my oh, we'll see. God. But he's like, have you on the show? I got to have you on the show. And I was like, OK, <laughs> but I literally got up at like seven o'clock and I had maybe three or four hours of sleep. I, this is going to be miserable. I'm going to be horrendous. And then I listened to it afterwards. And it's great. It, it was just fine. It was great. But. You know, getting up at, at 5.30, 6 o'clock, whatever it was, it was barely light, and it was the summer when we get the most daylight. And somehow, you know, Larry's like, you got to get up. I got to I gotta have you on the show. And I was like, okay. Gotta have you on. And then, this is, I love this it. is the torture. Dedication is huge. As you know, uh, Larry and I are collaborators. You know, we work really hand-in-hand from 300 miles away uh, every single day. And the sad thing is we both get up at 430 in the morning. So his and, you know, Larry's an intense guy. His text messages start at 445 in the morning. Sometimes I can't turn. I won't get anything done. I can't turn my phone on until 530. But that's Kevin of Celtics podcasting. The Kevin Garnett of Celtics podcast. I'm Paul Pierce. I've been here forever. But I couldn't win championships. Are... <laughs> hey, listen, Justin, this was great. Check out what do you have? What do you have dropping on Celtic stuff live on Monday? 
Yeah, on Monday, we're going to be previewing, uh, obviously, Monday's media day. So John and I are going to have a primer for everybody coming out first thing Monday morning. Later in the week, I haven't figured out which which interview. We're going to take the off-season interview series through preseason because we've got a few more to do. What's what's on tap? It has been good. We uh, we I'm not sure which. We're going to do a, an interview on Thursday, and we're going to do our show on Monday, and I have Chad Finn and Eric Weiss to sort of wrap that up. Uh, the plan is to have Mark Spears on as well. We're hoping, you know, that we'll have the interviews, and I'm not sure we're talking about continuing a format like that where Monday will be a 45 minute podcast, me and John. Uh, accompanied by uh, a weekly interview to come out on Thursday morning, Love so it. we may we may see a little bit of a format change this season as well. For those that that have been listening to Celtic stuff live from the beginning, you will know my reference in to in parts unknown. Justin John, the Duke, has been in parts unknown recently, so we're really happy to have him back on Monday. It will be great to have my compadre back on the show. I can t- I miss <laughs> the dialogue. You know, you know what makes the show is the fact that John and I have been talking about this for over ten years, and it's crazy. the we have history. We always have that like Rondo jab, and there's just there's yep. things that he and I have talked about, and he thinks of things that I don't think of when we have the conversation. Now, season interview series, I think went. You know, smooth with with only one host, just because there was so much focused on the guest. But when we start diving into the Celtics conversation, and you know, a lot of Celtics stuff live is is just John and I. So it'll be great to have him back. I'm excited to get talking with him, and I know he's chomping at the bit for training camp, and I can't believe it's it's literally coming Monday. Uh, media days Monday, Justin. We got the legendary JoJo White waiting on the hook with Ty Ray, so I'm going to let you sign off. We'll tune in to Celtic Stuff Live on Monday. You can grab that on the CLNS Radio free mobile app for iOS and Android. Justin, have a great weekend. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtic Speed. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gerondo was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gerondo, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. I want to send a big thanks to Justin Poulin, co-host of Celtic Stuff Live, for his insights on Kevin Garnett. Now we're going to transition from one NBA legend retiring to another NBA legend who has already retired, Hall of Famer JoJo White. A few things people may not know about JoJo White. Not only was he drafted by the NBA... Boston Celtics, the number nine overall pick in the first round. 
He was also drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and the Cincinnati Reds. Impressive athlete? I'd say so. JoJo's a two-time NBA championship in 74 and 76. He was the NBA Finals MVP in 1976, seven-time All-Star, and his number 10 is retired by the Celtics up in the rafters. Uh, JoJo, kind of an underrated player. You'll spot him a lot at TD Garden. He's still a very supportive member of the Celtics alumni. It's an honor today to welcome the legendary Mr. Jojo White, who will be sitting down for a great conversation with CLNS Radio's Ty Ray. This is Ty Ray of CLNS Radio. I'm thrilled to welcome Jojo White to the show. And Jojo, first of all, I just want to tell you what a privilege uh, it is to have you on the show. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time, sir. Thank you to hear you talk about, um, you know, the um, the time, you know, with some of these players. Uh, it was some some of it was when I like first just come into the league and, and, and got an opportunity to play uh, some fantastic uh, uh, players prior to me, you know. Uh, on that team, and I just, I was in awe. I couldn't, my mouth was open, and I'm trying to learn as much as I can, <laughs> you know, doing that, doing that era. I mean, it was like unbelievable. It was fantastic. How difficult was that, JoJo? You, you're coming off of a very successful college career at Kansas. You're an Olympian and a champion, and then the Celtics are at the end of their dynasty just well, as you sign on with the team. Well, you never think about, you know, all the things that you yet have to go through, you know, just coming into the league. And uh, uh, fantastic athletes that um, I was paying with, against, um, uh, learning patterns, you know, uh, trying to pick up where, what you need to find out most about the, the, the team that you were coming to and uh, uh, trying to make sure to pick up everything you need to know and uh, uh, to, to, for, for me to go forward. and It, it was just a fantastic time. and I, I, Being a young player, just, just coming out there, trying to pick up everything you can because uh, it, it wouldn't be long before you're at the helm. You know, and, and, and you, you try to pick up as much as you, you can. JoJo, so many people talk about, of course, the 80s Celtics dynasty. You had the tremendous success in the 60s, and people talk about, of course, KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, that great team that won one title. I happen to think the 70s teams are underrated. The teams that you played on, you won two titles, and by golly, you should have won a third one if Hondo hadn't gotten hurt in the year 72-73 when Hondo hurt his shoulder. Well, I, I should have won the title that year. Yeah, we were right there. I mean, I was I was in awe of of, of that era uh, because you know I'm I, I'm like you know just coming you know like really just coming into that 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 uh, at, at that time and uh, the, the the players who were running everything you know I was new to you know so trying to to, to, to uh, pick up on every everything they're saying uh, how they you know. Uh, 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 come into the league, uh, be ready to uh, uh, tall up all all you can you can you can take to be able to you know as they go you you're finding out what you need to find out to uh, pick up all of what you need uh, to be able to 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 play to to uh, be ready to play against all of this talent that was new talent that was coming in the league and, and on your team. 
So I, I was all most of the time. And then, and then JoJo, though, you involved into a leader. Somebody, people were in awe of themselves playing such a vital role in, role in those 70s teams. And particularly, I look at the 76 finals against the Suns, the greatest game of, of all time. And you were finals MVP that series. Well, this is what I'm saying. You know, I came at a time where, you know, uh, you, 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 you coming into the league, uh, you, you – Playing against some of the outstanding, most outstanding players, you know, in in the league at the time, and and many teams, many team, many players had gone before I was even there. So trying to pick up as much as I can pick up and 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 play during this era as well. So I I was I was I can even tell you I was in awe of, of all that was going during that that part of my career. Can you tell me about playing in that 76 finals? I watched that game, JoJo, over and over and over again. It's, it's so thrilling. We know what the outcome is, but you can't help but watch the game. It's such a fantastic, fantastic game between the Celtics and the Suns. You're M- MVP of the series, but you're a vital part in that game, scoring 33 points. What do you remember from that night? Well, just um, trying to um, uh, uh, pick up as much as I can uh, against outstanding players as well as playing with uh, some of the, the most fantastic uh, uh, players during that time to try to pick up on uh, it, it's, there's so many athletes you know on and uh, play, guys you got to play against and coming into the league yourself trying to understand the game and continue I mean I, I was in awe all the way around so uh, just plus I was in I mean I, you, you come to uh, every game, uh, approach every game with a, a lot, so so much you, you have to pick up on and uh, get a chance of uh, uh, applying all of this. You know, during during the during the time when I'm just coming to the league, I mean, I was in awe. Who was your favorite player when you were coming into the league? Ah, uh, j- j- a guy who was uh, uh, on, on your own team. I was in awe with uh, John Havlicek. Uh, he was a guy who uh, he he didn't say a lot. I mean, he just stayed on it, and uh, he, he was sharp every time he went to the to the game. And, and JoJo, of course, you look at that team seventy two seventy three. The team wins sixty eight games in the regular season. I I have no doubt in my mind that you guys would have gone on to the title that year had uh, Hondo not gotten hurt against the Knicks. When you found out he got hurt and could not play the rest of that series, what was going through the team's mind at that time? Always um, uh, look at our team as the team that we're playing, and um, which was was unbelievable. But the position that I I found myself when, when certain uh, players either you know get hurt or they're out now, uh, team, uh, play, uh, players, individual players that now are in the position that now you've got to step up and uh, uh, have to do some of the things that you get now that, that you, you, you take up on, on with as, as the team was ongoing. And now you're in the position, you know, to uh, uh, come to the table and do your thing. And I was just in, in awe the whole time. But I tried to pick up as much as I could. And I, I, I just I, I was, I was loving myself. Tommy Heinsohn, head coach of those great teams that you played on. Absolutely. 
You know, I love his enthusiasm. I know people call him a, a homer when he calls games, but he has such a passion for Boston Celtics basketball. And I used to love watching him on the sidelines with the great fashion and the animation. He had to be a blast to play for. Well, it, it, it's, he, he uh, attacked the game as if he was still playing, you know, as a player. And, and, and he's, the, he's the coach. So he, he, he kept you and your, your team, your players, individual players, he kept you ready uh, to, 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 to come each and every night, you know, when, you, when you're on the floor. And so you're sharp, you're excited, uh, and there's more all the time. So uh, it, was, it was just such a pleasure, you know, uh, uh, during that time and uh, uh, to, to, to break into a, a league and, and great players before you with, and you, you can't do nothing but learn every night, you know, every night when you weren't even out there, when you sitting watching and listening. So I, I, I was just in awe during that time uh, uh, when, when I was growing and, and, and being an honor to be on the team itself. You played 82 games for five consecutive seasons. You were an Ironman on the team. How do you explain your great health? Well, what did you do to take care of yourself? Well, the thing is, is, is shut up and listen. You know, uh, <laughs> there, there were there were great players bef- before us uh, and during that time, and uh, uh, quite a few as as we stepped into you know uh, um, uh, playing at the, at the top of of, of my game. Uh, it, it was so many outstanding players, and you know with the Boston Celtics, uh, you can't help but know you just shut up and listen. You know, uh, it, it's so much that uh, was passed on and understanding, you know, uh, not only just see the game, but be in the game. So during that time, I was I was like in awe, and I was having nothing but the but a ball. During that Jojo, you, Jojo, you were such a great athlete. You were You could have played football, you could have played baseball. Why did you choose basketball? I, it was just my love, and um, uh, uh, I just just loved it. And I was in position at, at certain times. You know, here I came and had an opportunity to show what what I can do. You know, with the with the teams that was 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 great to see them play. You know, at a time where I, I guess to see you know the Boston Celtics. You know, what what, what all of that meant. You know, doing that era. Tell me what it was like to be part of a team with Bill Russell. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. When you look back at that uh, that development time for me, and at the same time, uh, who who you had to play with, I mean, at the at, at the height of their, their development, uh, uh, I mean, it was great. Uh, John Havlicek. Uh, it's a number behind Bill Russell and and uh, Sam Jones. You know, um, uh, it was so many, many unbelievable talents, and and I get a chance to play with and learn from all these great players. Uh, you know, at at the top of the game and the middle of the game, there's opportunities to learn and get a chance to sit and see and shut up and, and listen. Uh, it was so much that you can learn from all sides. So I was, I was just in awe during that whole era, the time that I was, you know, K 
came with the Celtics and got a chance to to show what I can do out there on the floor. And I was uh, I was just having a ball. JoJo, Bill Russell holds a special place in my heart, not just because of what he accomplished on the court, but because of his fighting for civil rights back in the day. And he's been a great ambassador to the game, not only just as a basketball player, but as a human being. And I look at what today is going on in sports. We've got players not kneeling for the national anthem. That was started, of course, by Colin Kaepernick of the 49ers protesting police brutality uh, against uh, people of color. And back in 1968, JoJo, you were at the Olympics, and there were similar protests with a couple of athletes on the track team. What do you think about what's going on today? Well, um, my, my play was full on what we had to do as an athlete. You know, try, trying to make sure that you, you, you uh, those things that are important, you know, not only just for the game, but uh, for your individual person, uh, how you approach, uh, uh, approach the game, how you approach it as a team. I mean, so it's a lot of those things that it's, it's, it's all about growth and, uh, and playing with a team that understood about all those things uh, uh, we, you just threw out on, on, the toe, out on the floor, you know, to develop, to, to be, to, to keep on growing as, as a player and now on a, as a team with an, to an organization that understood all of those things that are very, very important of developing uh, and le- learning and knowing. Uh, I've got a lot of it, you know, with with with, with not only one of the greatest teams, you know, you know, in the era. What does it mean to you today to be a Boston Celtic? I, I can't tell you. I really can't tell you. Well, um, it was just uh, learning every every day. Uh, those uh, those things, uh, little things that sound like little things, but uh, you 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 get to learn. Uh, you have those great ones that went before you, and uh, not only uh, having to um, uh, uh, put your game on the on the table, but guys before you, guys after you, get to, like the Sam Jones, you know, my time, my. Um, So many different coaches, and I mean, Red Arbach was like, well, I mean, you get you get coached from from all sides. So I was just, I did from the time of coming to, to to practice to at the time where each and every game, I mean, I was I was I was turned on. So and I, I got a chance to uh, from the beginning to 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 the end playing with these these great players. It was nothing but anything continuously learning about the Boston Celtics. Tell me about playing in Boston. Why was that so special? Well, because they're special. I mean, you know, uh, from from uh, teams that played prior us uh, and, and, and the way it was once we were there and from the Sam Jones and um, um, uh, the the, the individual players that I had to play uh, take place and, and, and know about. Uh, we had to find out all about that from individual to team. Uh, and I can't tell you uh, how much and how many guys, you know, was opportunities that we had, you know, when 
the individual uh, had gone through and gone gone through and then my time, you know, as one of the team uh, that was de- developing and, and and learning about the Celtics, my turn came up to step to the plate now, so I was ready to go. In the long run, what does going to the Hall of Fame mean? You finally made it. Well, for, for me, for me, um, um, I, I was I was I was in awe, um, and I, I can remember from the time I came to the Celtics to you know the time that I was there, uh, getting the chance to continuing you know each and every year, you learn more and more and what. Being a Celtics, all what it's all about. Uh, so individuals as well as team, which is very, very, it's one of the most important. What well, got a chance to you get to feel and know exactly what all of this means. So looking back on your career as we we end things here, JoJo, what is the biggest highlight for you? Um, or is it hard to pick just one? Well, it, it's it's that. It really is, to be perfectly honest. It's 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 every day, but it's 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 the little things every day, and you understand how those those little things are big things when you're talking about continuously learning about what being a Celtic uh, is, is all about. It really is a brotherhood, isn't it? It truly is. It truly is. Yeah, it's just like once you're a Celtic, you're definitely a Celtic for life. It's it's a unique experience. For sure, for sure. And I mean, Joe, no, no one no one has to to slap you and tell you. I mean, you 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 see it. it it's expected. I mean, they, they talk it that way. It's about team. It's about T E A M. There's no I in the word. So you get a chance to uh, understand what is 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 expected from the the organization from you as we go, you know, and as you're part of the, the uh, a, a team, the Celtics, and passing it on to those that continuously, you know, uh, come from behind, from you as a player, and and go and individual players that on a consistent side, you know, you get one one year, next year you come another one. So in helping them grow, that will, you know, help make you better. You know, because it's a team sport and it's a team team. That's how, that's how it works. Passing the baton from one generation to the Absolutely. next. Absolutely. Jojo, this has been a real pleasure for me as somebody who's followed your entire career. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thanks, thanks for involving me. Thank you. And, and best of luck to you, sir. Thank you. Big thanks to Jojo White, the legendary Jojo White. Also, a big thanks to my business partner, Ty Ray, also my co-host on the Beats and Eats podcast right here on CLNS Radio, for, as always, conducting a a really conversational interview with JoJo, and certainly an, an underrated player in NBA history, as all of the 1970s Celtics championship teams and the contending teams kind of were underrated. They call it the forgotten decade. I think Bob Ryan has coined it that, and, and rightfully so. If you enjoyed the interview with JoJo White, you've got to check out episode 120 of Celtics Beat, where we welcomed Glenn McDonald 
and Al McCoy, uh, those that are not Celtics history buffs or NBA history buffs, the 1976 finals are called the greatest finals in NBA history. Game five, the longest game ever played, is called the greatest game in NBA history. Well, those 1976 finals featured uh, Glenn McDonald, who was the unsung hero of that decade, really, that final series in that Game 5, which was called by Al McCoy of the Phoenix Suns. He's the the gentleman who coined the phrase, Gar Herd's shot, heard around the world. And he's also still, I believe, broadcasting with the Suns. Uh, NBA legendary broadcaster Al McCoy. And of course, those 1976 finals, the MVP of that series... Today's guest on Celtics Beat, JoJo White. And again, how fitting it is. It's it's really quite fitting knowing that we just closed on Friday evening a chapter in NBA history with the, the retirement of Kevin Garnett. And I wonder, and I've I've thought to myself recently as I'm looking through articles and different different stories and photos being being posted online of Garnett. And I'm kind of counting how how many people are posting pictures of Garnett in a Celtics uniform or in a Minnesota uniform. Not too much in a Nets uniform, although he did kind of look cool in that in that uh, stylish black Brooklyn Nets uni. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of often wonder how Garnett will be remembered. What do you think? I'm not really sure. I think history will tell. History will certainly tell. You look at guys like uh, Wilt Chamberlain. He he was tossed around quite a bit. He went from the Royals to the 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 Sixers, and then finally to the Lakers. But I think people mostly remember Wilt Chamberlain as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, where he won the second of his NBA championships. Even though it was in Philadelphia, where he scored his 100 point game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar he won championships with Milwaukee. But he won multiple five with the Los Angeles Lakers. He's remembered as a Laker, I'd say, no doubt. I don't think there's a question Paul Pierce will be remembered as a Celtic. I think as history moves on, Kevin Garnett will be remembered as a champion with the Boston Celtics. He'll always be remembered as the kid, the young kid who come out of high school and uh, created an instant impact with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think he's also remembered. Uh, Justin Poulin earlier in the show mentioned about... Garnett's intensity, I think also his loyalty is so so heavily noted. It has to be. How long and hard he thinks things through. And, and on Wednesday night, as, as Mark Stein broke the news of the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves looking to buy out Garnett's contract, the owner of the team even stated that he couldn't get in touch with Garnett for weeks. Kind of sent him a, a message saying, we need a decision. Well, KG made the decision, and he is now a retired NBA player, former Boston Celtic, former Minnesota Timberwolf, former Brooklyn Net. Uh, but for all time, he will be a legend. And with that, I say hashtag thank you, KG. Anyway, today was really fun. I, I appreciate every time Larry H. Russell gives me the opportunity to not just work behind the scenes on this show, as we do together on a daily basis, but get my voice on the airwaves. Uh, a couple things, I guess, as the founder of the network, I should give you some network news. Media Day is tomorrow. Can you believe it? Media Day is already tomorrow, and the YouTube channel at CLNS Radio, youtube.com forward slash CLNS Radio, has already started pumping. Well, really, it's pumped all, all summer long as we've 
recapped daily, almost daily, news reports on the New England Patriots. Compliments of Tyler Trudeau, who's one of our newest reporters and doing a fantastic job. He's also given us some Celtics daily news bites, videos coming out. So the YouTube channel has been going all year long, but fans of this network know we are synonymous with the Boston Celtics. We've been dubbed the leading online provider of audiovisual coverage of the Boston Celtics. And that coverage, video-wise, started on Wednesday with the Celtics Golf Tournament. We've added several new faces and voices to the network. And uh, Jeremy Karpf and, and Josue Pavone were reporting uh, live from the Celtics Golf Tournament. Some great gems from Tyler Zellerwick, Grossbeck, and Brad Stevens already available on the YouTube channel from that day. They're also available on the CLNS Radio free mobile app for iTunes and Android. Don't forget tomorrow, all day long, one of the biggest days of the year to tip off the NBA season is Celtics Media Day. Jared Weiss will be back with the Garden Report Josue Pavone will be on premise, and our whole team of locker room reporters. We are so excited for the 2016-17 NBA season as the Celtics are now entering a new era of contention. And to close this out, don't forget, the Celtics postgame show will return this year, and, and excitingly, we will be simulcasted on ESPN New Hampshire Terrestrial Radio. So that's something to, to really look forward to. Uh, call lines won't be changing. The hosts won't be changing. The format might slightly change, but we will be available on the CLNS Radio mobile app, clnsradio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and ESPN New Hampshire. We've also launched the Celtics News Feed, which are short-form daily, sometimes multiple times daily, reports, which include breaking news in two minutes or less. I personally had the pleasure of and the honor of of reporting on Kevin Garnett's retirement. You could find that on the Celtics news feed on Stitcher, iTunes, and again, the CLNS Radio mobile app. We're also in the works for a new site renovation, folks. It's long overdue. And because of your great support of our crowdfunding over at patreon.com forward slash CLNS radio, any donations you can offer would be greatly appreciated. They all go in the coffers to put towards our site renovation, which anybody who's in the web business knows is quite costly. That's it. That's my sales pitch. And that's also going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. You can also like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio at Facebook.com forward slash Celtics Beat. You can also follow the entire network, Facebook.com forward slash CLNS Fans, to keep up with this show and all 15 or 16 podcasts that are on the network. I'd like to thank our guest, Justin Pullen, who got up really early to talk some Kevin Garnett, and especially thank our featured guest, the legendary JoJo White. Our sponsors today are Blue Apron and American Farmers Network. We thank them for making all this possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, graphic designer, Taylor Arder, and executive producer, Larry H. Russell, I'm Nick Gelso, the founder of CLNS Radio. You can follow me at CLNS underscore Nick. And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio. Anything's possible. 
Ele faz gol!